Odom with it at the top. Kobe Bryant back in the game to right elbow with Young in front of him. He'll rise and fire a 21-footer. That's good. Kobe Bryant so smooth with that jump shot. Yo, what's up, everybody? This is the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, the keeper of the peace, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Randy Jowers and Jim Cross. And boys, this is episode 14 titled, Ring It Up, Put Three on the Board. And I think that's a very fitting title because our guest tonight is the author of that catchphrase and title, and he is none other than the radio voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, Mr. Eric Hasseltine. But before we bring Eric into the mix, guys, let's talk about this weekend. Let's unpack it a little bit. I'll, I'll leave this thing off and just tell you, over the past weeks with this virus, and especially this weekend, I've been depositing a ton of time, love, effort into that family time account because starting Thursday of this week, when baseball starts, I'm going to start withdrawing that shit quickly. <laughs> so I don't know about you guys, but Thursday this week and then followed up with the NBA and then NHL soon after that, like I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, I don't know about you guys, but that's what I spent my, that my weekend doing is just making sure that come Thursday, there's no grief that I get, no chores, no labor, no nothing. I just have time to put my feet up and relax and, and enjoy some, some quality action. But Randy, you doing the same thing? How was the weekend, man? Weekend was good, man. Actually doing, you know, boring dad stuff, working in the yard. Um, so I, I did find this funny though, when they talk about baseball starting back, my birthday's actually Thursday. So yeah. So, you know, I'm going to be how old am I going to be? 36, DB, you know, um, look. So, yes, I'm going to be having some definite withdrawals, but baseball's coming back. Basketball's coming back. Thank God. Jim, what about you? Spending some time. I know you're on the diamond tonight, but what about the weekend? How was it, man? Man, I think I spend all weekend trying to impress you guys on Monday night because I kept my man card intact with Randy. I did all my yard work and outside chores, and then as far as impressing you – I don't think I ever go to the gym on Saturday and Sunday. Got both days in, worked out that uh, all that food I ate at Lafayette's and Overton Square on Friday, so had to get that back out. So gym time, yard work, family time, hit it all. Well, make sure you hit that gym consistently because I'm sure that the couch is going to be calling your name. Um, and with that, we're going to bring the man of the hour into the fold. We're going to welcome our guest tonight, the radio voice of your Memphis Grizzlies, Mr. Eric Hasseltime. Eric, thank you for joining us, man. How's it going? How are we doing tonight? Right, everything's good. How are you guys? It's it's been uh, it's been a wild time, but uh, getting ready to to get back to it here in a little over a week. Yeah, it's it's been crazy. I mean, we've we've had the the privilege of being able to come on here and bullshit with one another and and, and yeah. chat. Um, I can only imagine from your end not you know, being stuck at home, not getting to see a lot of action, um, how that's, you're, you're probably biting, biting at the bits <laughs> to get out there and just see something or say something. So, well, I got, a, I got a little, uh, I got a little taste the other week when, uh, my friend Ernie Kuyper, who runs Hoop City, the, the grassroots program out of Memphis that used to be Mike Miller's AAU team. And, um, uh, they had their, their 18 and under team 
uh, put together, which is a, a dynamite group of kids, uh, most of them all from Memphis. So there's a couple that came in from out of the area that are top 20 recruits. And because these kids haven't had an opportunity to go play for college coaches, which they, they go to Vegas, they go to Dallas, they go to um, Augusta for Peach Jam and all these big tournaments now that have that come every summer except for this one, and where college coaches just litter the, the, the stands, they decided to do a Facebook Live and, and asked if I would call the game. And so we did. And I got to call two games. And it was fun. It was, it was fun to watch young guys that are hungry to make an impression on, on college coaches. It's a little different level than what I'm used to in terms of uh, the, the, the talent. But the, those kids can all really play. And there's some kids in there that we may be seeing playing professionally you know in, the, in a couple of years they're, they're really really good so that was fun but uh, you know I, I after March 11th I like everybody else became a homeschooling dad started working projects around the house I think I did half of the driveway pressure wash and just looked at it one day and said well this shit doesn't look any different than when I didn't pressure wash it so what am I doing so I don't know we, we just had uh, we, we've had some fun and we're we're in the process here of possibly uh, relocating uh, our our residence in, in the same neighborhood. Something's come up where we were interested, and we're trying to make that happen. So that's a, a little stressful and hectic, but uh, we'll get it done. We're going to take one last trip this next weekend and uh, then get ready to roll. I've been coaching Little League and helping my son's team. He's got a great head coach, and uh, it's just been fun. It's been fun to be around the family, but certainly seeing live baseball, seeing golf, and, and seeing things kind of start to come back to a little bit of sense of normal has been has been really encouraging, even though some of the numbers haven't been as of late. But I I, I tend to shy on the side of optimism and, and think that there are really really smart people working on this, and I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to find a way to figure it out fairly soon. Yeah, I mean, I, I we can only hope. I mean, it, it seems like things are starting to get back to normal. I mean, I, I'm currently in Florida, so like it seems like everyone is is trying to be in their own bubble here and things are bad but I, I from the perspective of living here think things aren't that bad i mean yeah there are cases going up yes um but if you protect yourself and do what you got to do like and be smart about it like you're fine um it's, so it, it that seems to be the case i think everybody's just got to be smart and and take care of yourself and, and i've always you know i've got friends that don't leave the house. I've got friends that say, I can't stay in the house and I'm going to go out and do my thing. I mean, like there's, there's smart people telling you to wear a mask, so wear a mask. And if it's uncomfortable, figure out a way to make it comfortable for now. And, and soon enough, you'll be able to say, okay, hopefully this is, this is over with, but I, I respect everybody's decision. We, uh, my girlfriend and I, because she worked in the restaurant industry would have some of like when the numbers were low, like two or three people over a night, just to kind of keep their sanity and, and, Nobody got sick. Everybody was fine. We, we kept it the way it should be. And, um, you know, I feel for all those people that are in, in, in that industry that have their places of business closed down, whether it's the, all the way from the owner of the restaurant to the, to the guy in the back, you know, they're all in the same family. And um, that's a difficult thing. And some restaurants are open, some are not. And that's a hard thing, too. So, um, like I said, hopefully we can find a way to move forward. And, and sports, hopefully, will give us a sense of normalcy. And in truth, maybe that keeps more people home. Maybe that keeps some more people in their in their houses and keeps them around to watch the, the opening of this 60-game baseball season coming up, even the, the, I guess, the scrimmage games or the practice games they've been showing the last couple of days. The golf tournament not having fans here in Memphis, people will want to stay home and watch it. And maybe that'll help kind of slow things down just a little bit, even if it only takes, you know, a couple of weeks to slow it down. 
then let's let's stay on it. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I think people are ready to hear your voice. <laughs> Said by very few people ever, by the way. That's but I appreciate. <laughs> hey, but that's the thing. Like when when the Grizz are winning, you're the most popular guy. So. Yeah, uh, when they're losing, though, they think it's my fault. Like, right, I, get, right. I get those text messages, too. Why didn't you do this? Or you, when you called this, you should have said, I'm like, hey, all right, take it easy. I'm sorry that, you, that they lost, but it's, there's 82 of these, and we're going to lose some. So that's just – Well, for wait. what it's worth, I miss your voice on the radio every day, Eric. I appreciate that, Jimmy. And, and, and you know, you and I have talked for years, but I'll be honest, I have a lot of respect for the guys that are, that are hosting shows, even podcasts like you guys are doing now finding things to talk about. I think it's fun that you guys can have this format and do this and, and, and bring entertainment to other people. Um, I walked away from my talk show on the, on the flagship a little over a year ago. And um, for me, it was the best decision. I, I've listened to what those guys are doing. I admire what Jeff and, and Jason and John and, and, you know, Mark and Jeffrey and Gary have done throughout this crazy time because they've, they've kept it entertaining. And for me, I don't know that I would have had, the desire to go in there and do that after having hosted for 25 years I, I was kind of done with it and uh, I just I guess I got out right at the right time I was a little bit bummed at the beginning of the season the way our guys were playing and especially that run through December and January where they were playing such amazing basketball that I thought to myself boy it'd be fun to talk about this on the radio right now but I there were plenty of opportunities to go on as a guest and so doing stuff like this is, is fun too and being able to talk uh, talk sports again and, and actually have some things coming up to talk about is is good. So yeah, you you talk about opportunities and and obviously there was probably a long journey and a long path to becoming the voice of the Grizz that we hear um, each and every night that they play. So take us through that. You're a West Coast guy. I think yep. you're UC Davis guy. So tell me, how do you go from the West Coast to the Mid-South and end up the, the radio voice of the Grizz? Well, I mean, to give a, a as brief as possible, which is usually impossible for radio guys, um, it really started when I was a sophomore at UC Riverside. And I had a guy that I had gone through orientation with say he was about to, on the campus station there the next year, host a sports talk show. And that this was something that was starting to really pick up speed in the early 90s, that this was a format in radio that people were interested in. And he asked if I, he knew I was a huge sports fan. We used to talk sports all the time in the, in the dorm cafeteria. We weren't the best of friends, but we, we got along. And he said, hey, I'd, I'd love for you to help me with this if you're interested. And I said to him, I said, I'd love to, except I'm transferring back up north. I'm going to go back closer to home. I had several friends from high school that went to UC Davis. I had gone to Southern California about four hours away. And I just, it wasn't, I felt like I was missing college. Our, that school didn't have a football team. No one really cared about the basketball team, at least at Davis, even though it was division two, there was something there. There was more of a college community too. So I left. And when I left, I had been working in the intramural department. I transferred to the intramural department and at Davis, I became a supervisor right away. One of the guys I happened to be working with was doing the same thing on the campus station at Davis. Said, hey, I'm doing this. And I said, well, if you ever need anybody, let me know. And five months later in the spring quarter, he goes, I need someone to talk baseball. And I said, I'm your guy. So we did that, that entire spring quarter. They're on a quarter system out there. When summer came, there was open time slots and I was staying in Davis for the summer. So we kept the show. We kept it in the fall the next year and I hosted it. And then after that year, I became the voice on that campus station. They hired me as sports director, and they said, find a play-by-play -play guy. So I looked in the mirror and hired myself. 
Um, it was brutal at first. I, I remember my first football game and thinking I, I was dead in the water. And I learned a little bit from, say, the, the college had a commercial station carrying it too. So the guy on the commercial station, which is also the home of the Kings, had a system to prepare. And I just sat down with him and picked his brain over lunch. And two or three weeks in, I started to kind of figure out what needed to be done. I, I still had a lot of improvement to do, but I, I caught, I took to football pretty quickly. Basketball was a little faster. It took me, you know, a couple of games there as well, but I was lucky to work with a, a group that was very accommodating too. So um, I came prepared and, and fell in love with it. I, I told my dad after um, my third game, and I'll never forget, it was against St. Mary's, uh, the basketball school. They actually had a football school or a football team for a while. And our athletic director, our associate athletic director, came into the student booth and he said, hey, I need to talk to you at halftime. And I was like, okay, this can't be good. Like, your boss is coming in at halftime to like, tell you, hey, you really screwed this up. Um, and when he came in, he said, hey, I don't, what are you doing in here? And I was like, I have no idea how to answer the question. He said, I said, I don't know what you mean. His name was Larry Swanson. We all called him Uncle Larry because he just looked like your Uncle Larry. Um, and I said, Uncle Larry, I, I have no idea what you mean. What do you mean? I'm just calling the game. And he says, yeah, I've got like eight of our biggest boosters have switched to the campus station and tell me that like we have somebody working on the campus station that's like going to do this for a living. He said, I didn't know you were good at this. And I said, I, I don't know that I'm good at this because I'm not listening to me. I'm just calling it the way I would want to listen to it. Hopefully it's entertaining. So it took off. And uh, I was very close to, to, to trying the TV route. In fact, I had my bags packed to move back to Lake Tahoe uh, and work at a jet ski rental company that I worked at in the summer and uh, get a job back at the casinos and in the winter work at the ski resorts and then just kind of go down to this TV station and work there on the weekends. And then the day the day before I was leaving, that station I carried, the, the Kings called me and offered me a job. And so I took it, worked there for three years and realized no one was leaving. Right. So I, I, I got a call on September 11th to come out to Memphis. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if you've been watching TV today, but no one's flying anytime soon, fellas. So um, they had liked what they heard. I was hosting an NBA show out there on the weekends. I was calling Division II basketball and um, there was word we were going to go to the big to the big West and become Division One and, and FCS in football. Um, I was moving my way. I was, I was going to be content to be Davis's voice for the next 30 years, if that was the case. Um, but I obviously wanted something bigger. So I sent it out. They said, come for an interview. I, I came out. I was covering the Raiders, doing a post-game show on our station, which wasn't the flagship, but was a powerful signal. So we were getting a lot of the 60,000 people in the Coliseum that were leaving were listening to us. I was, we were getting calls all day. It was a blast. I thought my future was the NFL, and I got an opportunity to come to Memphis and do pre-half and post for the Grizzlies, which I know was the way a lot of guys started. So I jumped on it. I remember my first meeting with Don Poyer and Sean Tui, and I was like, we're, this is going to be a blast. Don was so accommodating and, and so talented that he, the second day we were after the meeting, he took me to lunch, and he's like, hey, what do you want to do? And kind of took that older brother role, and so I was blessed to work with him for three years and then a half a year. And the entire time that friendship grew and at the end of every year, he would pull me aside and say, Hey, your time is coming. So at the, you know, that those first three years, I would even hire an engineer and call a game like once every four or five games, just on the baseline, 
when the game was going on just into a tape to have tape and you know as we know tragedy struck in in January of 2005 and Don you know suddenly passed away and they looked at me and said hey get on a plane and go to Denver and I said that's not going to work we're not doing TV tonight so it you know the Denver airport's an hour from the arena. I would have to get off the plane, get my bag, get a rental car. I'll never make it. So have Pete do the radio broadcast. I'll, I'll man things from the studio. We'll put together a tribute as tough as it was because we found out early in the morning uh, it was a brutal day. But I knew after that game I had to get on a plane the very next morning because we were playing second night of a back-to-back in Salt Lake City. And we did have TV that night. So I jumped out there. Got on the got on the game, and you know, before I knew it, we were on a plane home from Utah, and I was like, "This is just the most surreal. I, this is not how I want my break to happen." And I was a mess, to be honest, guys. I was a I was a complete mess. I was at the next home game was two nights later. I think we got back on a Thursday, or a, you know, early Thursday morning, late Wednesday night. We were playing Friday night at home, and I'm sitting at the spot where Don was, and I'm just like, "What am I doing?" Why, how is this happening? And, and this isn't the way it should be. And I felt this touch in my shoulder and it was Don's wife. And I, I looked up and tears in my eyes. I just looked at her and said, Hey, this, I don't, I don't want this. This isn't what I want. And she just essentially like slapped me in the face and said, snap out of it. He's you're the one he would want to take his spot. We can't control that. All you can control is making him proud. And so I think that gave me the the strength to kind of push forward and, I haven't ever missed a game since I've been employed by the Grizzlies, even pre-half and post, and don't plan on doing it now. And so it's been an amazing run. I've never really wanted to leave. I've had a couple discussions, but I think after about four or five years here, I just I kind of fell in love with the way that people love basketball here and that it's a small market, that you go to other places and you get lost. Certainly early on, there was a thought of maybe going back to Sacramento if something opened there or Golden State. but that would also require a friend not being in a job with either one of those two spots. So I was happy that that never came up and that decision was never made or had to be made. And now, you know, going into our 20th season after we finish this, this, you know, end of the year in the bubble, I, I'd like to ride it out for another 10, 15 more and, and, and see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy the the journey that you've been on and, I, I think there, it sounds like there are many times in your life where you didn't picture yourself being in Memphis, Tennessee, you, no. you know, and, you know, that's just a testament to how hard you work. And I, I know the three of us talk on a, a grand scale about, you know, the, the term grit and grind. So I think it's kind of fitting that you work for the Grizzlies and, and that was your story. So that, that's, Unbelievable, man. Um, I do like have a Cal one. Ripken of, of you know, <laughs> yeah. play by play. Not yet. No, because you know who is, is, is uh, Steve Holman, who's the voice of the Atlanta Hawks. I think he's his streaks at like 2,500 games. Now. If you go look him up on Twitter, he has it game by game. I, I lost count, but I, you know, my dad just instilled in me, like, if you can go to work, go to work. There were, there were a couple games where I looked at Rob Fisher and said, you may be doing radio and not sidelines tonight because, you know, flus come on. You, you go from Toronto where it's negative 10 to Miami where it's 75 as, as a potential road trip. And your body can can take that in. It's 
it was a grind, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I remember calling games on community access TV for like the 40 and over city championship for a large pizza. But it was it was work. It was fun. And I always picked things on the side that I could do that I could be flexible with. I worked as a bartender. I was a substitute teacher. I worked in mortgages before the boom in California. I mean, I left when I left in 2001, I left a lot of money in a pipeline that I just gave to my partner and said, hey, you handle them. I'm going to chase a dream. I turned down a job with Hewlett Packard once upon a time. It was the only time my dad ever wavered was one of my best friends, a big logistics guy. And he said, hey, I hate public speaking. I hate giving speeches. I will teach you all you need to know in two months about this logistics stuff. I'll write the speech. I just need you to give it. And he, he offered me a pretty nice salary and bonus package. And my dad looked at me and he said, can you do both? And I said, not really, not really. And I knew the job if I ever decided that that's what I wanted to do would be there. Um, a guy's like a brother to me and, and I know he still would love to have that, but it was a dream and I, I got very lucky. You know, I tell guys that want to get into this business, it is not always your talent or your ability. It's just having the right thing happen at the right time. And you also have to have a thick skin. I got told no a lot. I, I joke with a buddy of mine who is at San Jose State and he's in the athletic department. They had a job and I applied for it and didn't get it. I said, well, I guess I wasn't good enough for San Jose State, but I'm good enough for the NBA now, right? So we joke about it, but that's just kind of how subjective this stuff can be. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes, believe it or not, it's being in the right place at the right time and knowing the right people. And Yep. Um, I, I do have one question, though. Sure. And I, I couldn't get past it when I was doing some research on you, but it said you studied rhetoric. Yeah. What, what is rhetoric? Please, please explain oh, that gosh. to me. Oh, gosh. Uh, so Davis did not have mass communications. They had a radio station and they had a, a TV station that really nobody knew about. There was one TV class and you could never get it unless you were a senior. And so I was going to have to wait to do that. And then even then it didn't fit with my schedule. Um, so it was called rhetoric and communication, which is rhetoric is the study of speaking. So we had communication classes. Rhetoric one was public speaking. And then there was rhetoric three, which was uh, group speaking and like talking in smaller groups and, and organizational communication. And then you got into the upper division classes and there was, I mean, things like the theory of rhetoric, which was about as entertaining as watching grass grow. And it was at eight o'clock in the morning and you're just sitting there with this monotone professor and the same guy taught every time, nicest guy in the world. I, I just literally wanted to blow up a pack of firecrackers to wake the whole place up a couple of times but there were other really good teachers and we learned a lot i mean like freedom of speech cases things like that it absolutely had nothing to do with what i wanted to do and i told the, the department head who taught the, the the freedom of speech cases and he was he was a guy you'd see in the campus bars like having a beer and so he would talk to you he was a really good teacher too and i said what do you, what am i supposed to do here like, this is what I want to do. And he had heard me, he said, you're really good. You should pursue this. I said, well, this is the degree I need. He goes, look, just take every one of my classes. I'll get you through them. As long as you show up and give me an effort, you're not going to fail. So I lived by the motto at that point because I knew I wasn't going to grad school. See, you get your degrees. So let's go. Hey, do what you can. I, yeah, I, I, I don't want it. my son to hear that because I want him <laughs> to get better grades. But I knew what I wanted to do. And I knew I had other opportunities outside of it. If it didn't work, I could find something to do. You know, there's so many people 
that there's so many opportunities in this business. It doesn't have to be the end. People forget that. You don't have to be in the NBA or the NFL or the NHL or anything else. And, um, you know, you can still call games. So I would have been happy doing a Davis and coaching somewhere. So Randy, move, move us forward. Cause I don't, I don't want your, your kids, all 10 of them to hear about C's uh, being degrees. Oh man, my kids know that motto very well. So, yeah, uh, yeah Eric, we, internet's a wonderful thing, isn't it, fellas? Absolutely, and I tell my kids don't listen to my podcast at all, ever. Ah, yeah, but if, a, if, if it, listen, if my kids listen, we'd have hella listens. I got a shit ton of them, man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, well, I got I got two, and one couldn't care less about sports, and even though she's an athlete and plays softball, the other one's starting to get into it, which is fun. But I, I just I knew I had other things to fall back on if I had ended up being a coach and a teacher or a bartender and, and doing this or a real estate guy and doing this, I'd have been just as happy being the voice at UC Davis for 30 years, but being fortunate enough to be in the NBA has been, it's been a, a whirlwind. Like you said, the journey has been crazy DB. I thought someone asked me if you had to write a book once, what would the title be? And I'd be like, how the hell did I end up here <laughs> in, about my life? Like, how did I end up here? Well, it, you got one, one, one copy one. sold. Right yeah, I, yeah. I thought about Rob and I actually fish and I have thought about writing a book uh, about our road excursions, this life in the NBA on the road from two guys. You have no idea who they are, but <laughs> we'll tell you funny stories. Absolutely. So, so Eric diving in kind of getting more specific on the, the bubble life. I mean, I, you hear a lot on Twitter, you read a lot, you see a lot. You <laughs> think this, is this going to work? Is the bubble going to work? Well, I mean, the first, indicator is it's it's going well they had zero positive tests this this other day i think on june or july 13th when they made the test so i i think so obviously you're going to deal with some players going a little stir crazy i was a little disappointed in the disconnected attitude of some of the guys um you know i i'm not going to single out rajon rondo but if that's a motel six to rajon rondo send me their way because i'll stay in that place and i I'm a big Disney guy. I take my kids to Disneyland because my daughter lives in California and I want her and her brother uh, who lives here. And, and I have 50% of the time to have a relationship, even though about, they're about seven years apart. So we go to Disneyland. I take him to Disney world. I've been in those resorts and there's really where they're staying. They're not bad. I get for them. It's very different. Not being able to choose your own meal, not being able to go to a room service menu and have it delivered fresh and cooked as you ordered it or going to a restaurant. And, you know, that's why I was really happy with what John Morant said. He goes, I'm not a silver spoon guy. I can attest to that. Ramen I've, noodles. I, I've seen, look, I've seen John. I, I laughed when it happened. I, I saw him in one of our team hotels. He was down in the lobby uh, with his house shoes on, whatever slippers, because he was taking a break from his gaming. He'd gone to practice, done all his work. And, I saw him. I said, what are you up to tonight? He goes, oh, I'm going to plug in and play whatever game he was playing. I go, well, what are you doing down here? He goes, well, I ordered dinner. I said, oh, yeah, where'd you get it from? He said, I hop. And I said, God, I love you. I mean, hey. I just love you because you're so 20 years old, yet you're so talented that I, yeah. I don't want that youth and exuberance to go away. And so, um, you know, crazy. It's, it's the I'm best sorry. way we can do this. And I think that they're their security is great. You know, I, I'm going to be down there actually at the end of the week, not with the NBA bubble, but I already know like my friends that are there, I, they can't come see me even though I'm at one of the resorts, they can't come over and say hello. And right. I, I said, all right, well, where can you go? Maybe we can drive by and like wave at each other or something like that. But 
if we just follow the rules and, and think about it this way, fellas, is my attitude. It's about basketball right now. And that's why I think this team can be really dangerous down there because more of their roster remembers a, a time not so long ago when they were doing this on the AAU circuit. They were living about basketball. They were living in, in hotel rooms and playing on the circuit. Whereas veteran laden teams that have been spoiled a little bit by the NBA life. And I'm not going to lie. It's a good life. It's a Absolutely. nice way to travel. It's a nice way to stay. It's nice when you're a player. Believe me, they take very, very good care of you. But I think, you know, in the end, talent will probably win out. And we're, we're a little inexperienced, but they're going to make some noise down there, I think. And I think the way the league came up with this was, was really good, really well done. And I, I don't think they're shy of contingency plans. I think if anything pops up, they have things in place to try to, to try to solve problems as quickly as possible. Yeah, they talked about there's only a handful of the media down there, and the media yeah. had to go down and do a seven-day quarantine where the players had to do 48 hours. Of course, that was a lot more testing for the players. They were tested before they went. So uh, yeah. we talked about it on this podcast a couple weeks ago, how tone-deaf some of the players that you mentioned were um, in, in just talking about it. And especially in a time like today, it's going to resonate poorly with some fans that think, you know, like, how dare you, man? You know, you – you're in this bubble. Here we are collecting unemployment or we lost our jobs right. and you're complaining about being set up in the, in a Disney resort to I'm, play basketball. I'm upset that I get, I got one option and it's grilled chicken with vegetables and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> yeah. the, the guy that's upset that can't put five dinners on the table and because he is out of work and has five people in his family and can only put three out there. Who are the two that don't get to eat? Um, Oh, you know, I got favorite I, kids, Eric. I could absolutely pick which ones don't eat. I, well, I always tease my son if he gets out of line. I said, but I can get rid of you and just make another one that looks just like you. I mean, believe me, both my kids look like me. I'm, I'm sure the next one will too. That's um, right. But I, now, I, you know, I even realize that. I, Robert Perra has been phenomenal with our organization and taking care of the people that work for the Grizzlies. And we've all been very, very fortunate to, to be able to, continue to be employed and continue to receive our, our benefits and things like that. And, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I had some, I had some side business ventures. I have another, you know, I, I own part of a moving company here in town um, with my friends and, and um, we, our business has gone well, but there were other things we were doing that got put on. I, I've lost a little bit of money in this, but by no means do I want to say, Oh, poor me, look at me. I, I lost this. I love that. Cause there's people in way worse situations. And oh, I feel absolutely. for them. And I think, you know, those are the people, hopefully we can help. Like hopefully with all this stuff coming up, I know they, the, the government's done as best they can, but remember that there are people struggling. I mean, when you, when you drive by places that like have 20 servers, 25 workers in restaurants that are no longer working and making tips, that their, their bills don't stop. Now, a lot of companies have said, Hey, we'll put them on hold, but they're not putting them away forever. I mean, those people are going to get their money too. They, they, that, that's how they're going to keep their businesses afloat. So it's a trying time. So I, I'm, I'm glad that some of the other players to the ones that sounded a little tone deaf stepped up and said, hey, let's put this in perspective. We're still pretty fortunate. We have really, really nice bank accounts behind us and we're going to get to play the game we love. And I just think sometimes you, you have to take a step back. And I look, so, like when you talk about Blake Snell in baseball, I get why Blake Snell said what he said. I do. I'm scheduled to make this amount of money. I'm not going to play if I'm not making a, a shadow of it. But then there's other people going, why wouldn't you just play and like pitch in and help out? But these guys also think, hey, if I go out there and play and, and really injure myself, I may never play again. I don't want to risk that right now. But that's everybody's prerogative. 
That's why I thought all the leagues did the right thing by saying, hey, if you don't feel comfortable playing and you don't want to be a part of it, we understand. You're not going to get paid, but you can go and there's no penalty. There's no no one's going to hold it against you. And, and so some have opted to do that, and that's their choice. Yeah, you know, I was listening to uh, ESPN a couple of weeks ago, and Brian Windhorst was on there, and they were asking two different uh, – a baseball writer and Brian Windhorst, you know, what are the percentages that the season starts? And I forget now, I think it was Buster only. He said, you know, the, I think baseball has a – you know, 50% chance of starting and a 0% chance of ending in a World Series title. But then Brian Windhorst said the NBA has a 100% chance of starting and a 90% chance of ending with the NBA Finals. What do you think about that? I, I tend, like I said, I tend to try to be optimistic. I think if Same. they've started it, they have plans in place. And listen, I, I said this on a radio show in Nashville, and I'll say it here. Guy gets if the guy a guy out there it doesn't matter if it's LeBron James or the twelfth guy on a bench for some team does test positive it's no different than if he rolled his ankle I mean if you if he's gonna beat the thing it's two weeks you got to deal with it if LeBron James rolls an ankle in the first round of the playoffs or tweaks a knee and he's out for the next you know two series they're not shutting the playoffs down because he can't play no way. I mean look at Everybody talks about the year the Grizzlies made the Western Conference Finals, and there's no doubt about it that they caught a couple of breaks. I know Jim's up in the background going, I can't talk about this. But, hey, look, Patrick Beverly with one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen, and I hate it because we see this, and it's one of my biggest pet peeves. The whistle's blown. Don't dive at the ball. Don't dive at a guy's knees. The whistle's blown, and the guy takes a jump shot. All it's going to take is one of these big-time players that wants to do the Kevin Garnett goes up and tries to block it, lands awkwardly, gets hurt, and they'll put a stop to that too. But the Grizzlies caught a couple of breaks, and they went to the conference finals because Westbrook was out. Now, they had played Oklahoma City tough. I would have loved to have seen those two teams go toe-to-toe in that semifinal series full strength. But you can't control that. Look at the year Mike Conley breaks his face. Tony Allen pulls his hamstring. Golden State that year won the title and flat out said the toughest team we played was, was Memphis. Yeah, they were up 2-1. When Tony Allen went down and Mike Conley was just struggling to try to be out there and not be in pain, we knew we, if we got by this, we had a really good shot. We felt much better about our matchups with Houston and then with Cleveland than we did with Memphis. Memphis was really a, a, a thorn in our side. And so these are the things you deal with. So if someone gets on a team, contracts it, and they get it corralled, hey, they're, they're, I'm, I'm not – upset that they did it I, I feel sorry that the player got that but it's an injury I mean to me it's an injury it's an injury that if you didn't want to get it you were welcome to not come so I, yeah, I'm glad I, you brought it up because I was actually going to say something about the Grizzlies being on the wrong side of the war of attrition many years yeah you talked about the year that it went in their favor but I think they've been on the wrong side of it more than they've been favored by it for sure oh well look at the year that you know Dave Yeager's last year I mean at the time when Guys started really getting hurt when we were about 50 games into the year. I think they were 33 and 17. I mean, I remember distinctly having a conversation with our strength coach, and he looked at me and he goes, What do you, you know? We just, I think around the 50 game mark, we had like 31 or 32 wins. And he goes, Hey, do you think we could win 56, 57? Can we push 60? And I looked at the schedule, I said, Hey, as long as we stay healthy, we could, we'll, we'll break the franchise record for wins we have a chance to win our first division title, then we'll be a top seed. Well, we all know what happened. Mike got hurt. Mark got hurt. Mario Chalmers was playing well. He ruptures his Achilles in Boston. And that's one of the most heartbreaking injuries I've ever seen in my career because 
Mario was on pace to get a four-year contract at the end of that year and start for somebody the way he was playing. And Man, never, I know one thing. He worked the Oklahoma City Thunder in, off the bench. We were there. Boy, we were there. Boy had 27 off the bench on fire yeah. that night. And he, and, he, and, that, and he never played again, and that was brutal. But we played – that was the year we set the record for most players on a roster. Yeah. And it was held together. You know, they make the playoffs uh, because Tony Allen and seven other guys go to Cleveland and beat LeBron and the Cavs because Tony goes like nine for 11 from the field, which he never did. And he was an offensive juggernaut that night. It just clicked. Yeah. You know, people forget that these guys, if they're a defensive stopper in the NBA, more than likely in college, they were the team's best score. Oh, without like, a doubt. These guys aren't just defensive stoppers because they can't score. They're defensive stoppers because there's other guys in the NBA that can score better than they can. That's how high a level it is at that on, on the NBA. But that, that team, to me, in terms of the war attrition, was one of the toughest to watch because they had a real chance that year to go deep into the postseason, and the injury bug didn't just – didn't just bite them. It swarmed around the locker room for the final three months of the year to the point where you were literally going, what next? I mean, this is so – and Dave Yeager is one of my closest friends I've ever had in this league. I, I watched him grow up as a young assistant, and we were relatively around the same age and same age of kids. And so you develop relationships like that. I, I, I felt for him. I remember being in Phoenix with him in that year. We went and played tennis to kind of take our minds off off of it and then went to his room to, to talk and watch the college tournament. Ironically, we watched Dylan Brooks that night in Oregon and <laughs> I looked at him and I just finally said, yo, are you okay? Like, how are you holding up? And he was, he was remarkably strong. I thought during that for his team, but I knew it was wearing on. It was tough. So you mentioned that you're going to be down there next week, not part of the bubble, but, and you and I talked about this via text, but if you had an opportunity, if you were part of that, would you go and be in the bubble? I would prefer not to for a couple of reasons, not because I'm afraid of going down there. And I, I mean, I've been one that would go to the grocery store and go to target. I, I, I'll take the proper safety measures. I'm not afraid to leave my house. And I'm a believer that if I were to contract the disease that I would be able to fight it off. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that think there was that crazy strand of the flu in January and, you know, late December, January, and into early February here that people say maybe that was a version of what we're going through now. And I know I got that and it was not fun. Yeah. But too. there's two reasons why I think it, it's, it's wise for the NBA to do what they're doing. The first, aside from those two reasons, first thing for the NBA was keep the cost down. You guys mentioned that media is down there to be a media member down there. They were asking for about 500 bucks a day. Well, factor in 22 teams when you factor in TV and radio and the TV truck crew for both teams, for all those teams, that's 10, that's 10 people. That's 220 more rooms. That's 220 more people in the bubble that can legitimately do it from somewhere else. So that was, I think, the NBA's first thought. For me as an announcer, it's a couple. One, uh, in an empty arena with two different radio teams, two different TV teams, there's no sound. And those arenas down on that campus, I've been in them, don't have a sound system where they can pipe in crowd noise like they're doing in some of the Major League Baseball stadiums. So I'm calling a game, and let's say somebody upends John Morant, and in the heat of the moment, I say, boy, that was a really dirty, dangerous play by so-and-so. Well, now that guy's now definitely looking at me and now wants is, is angry, okay? Yeah. Or a referee makes a bad call in a critical moment, and you say, that's just an awful call. Well, referees don't have the thickest of skins sometimes. 
And I get it. And with no sound to drown you out, they're going to hear everything. And, and in time where everybody's a little bit sensitive, and I understand why, and rightfully so. I mean, we've had some really difficult things happen in our society that we needed to come together and be better people overall. Um, you don't want that on you for one. So that's my first thing about it. The other thing is, you know, going down there and being part of it and not having the certainty of it and then not really wanting them to you know, be around the players per se. I just think it's, it's the, 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 the more intent, the more tight knit you keep your group, the safer they feel, the more relaxed they are. Our guys know me. Our guys know me. Our guys know Pete. They know Brevin. They know Elliot. They know Michael. They know Fish. They know us. They know us as part of it. Taylor Jenkins has made us very welcome throughout the entire season, and I'm incredibly grateful. But they're, they're right now one-track-minded. And the last thing I want to do is sit down and do a, a pregame interview like we do to try to get to know them when they're worried about everything else. They don't want to talk about that stuff. And so it's the quality of broadcast isn't going to be that much better. Moving forward, is it? Yeah, I think when we figure this out and how to attack this, I would much rather be on the road with them. But if we can all make a little bit of a sacrifice to make things better for them and make them more comfortable about just playing ball, let's do that. And so that was my secondary reason. The other thing is I don't I, I just think it's hard to to really tell people that if you don't have to be there and it's not totally essential that you're there and you can kind of do the same job and you're not leaving your family, that would have been really hard for me. I mean, my son's mother works, her fiance works. I work, my girlfriend works, but if I'm, if I can be home and only work from here, I, I can take care of my family better that way too. And so I just think it's, it's new for everybody and, and we do the best we can and it's, it's cost effective and it's, it's safer that way. Yeah, absolutely. So once the Grizzlies do start back playing, will there be, will we hear Eric Hasselton on the radio? Yeah, we announced it the other day. Um, both TV and radio will do all the games. Um, I'll have my, uh, my two partners, Michael Wallace and, um, and, and Elliot Perry, we're actually very pleased to announce, too, that Jessica Benson, uh, formerly of Local 24, now with Bryan City Media, doing a morning show with Megan Triplett on the Grizzlies website, is going to join us on, on our broadcast. She's going to be our new pregame halftime. Shout out Rise and Grind. Yeah, she's, uh, she's doing great. And Jessica's really, really talented. Um, they did a great job making her an offer to come join us, and I'm excited about that. She and I are going to uh, sit down and discuss, you know, what she needs to know. And I have no doubt that once I kind of lay it out there for her, it's not, as I like to say, it's not rocket surgery. We're not, we're <laughs> not uh, you know, we're not overthinking it. Just get on there. These are the segments. This is what you want to talk about. You'll have help. Halftime kind of covers itself. Postgame kind of covers itself. Just be entertaining and watch the game and understand it. And she does. So we're really excited that she's part of the team. Uh, I'm excited to, to have someone as talented as she is. And what I really hope is people don't go, oh, it's a female on the broadcast. She's a broadcaster, male or oh, female, she's, she's a broadcaster. Just like I thought with Neil Ivey. Neil Ivey wasn't a female coach in the NBA. She was a coach in the NBA. She did great things with John Moran. I'm incredibly happy for her to become the head coach at Notre Dame, her alma mater for the women's program there. I hated the loser. Uh, Taylor Jenkins hated the loser, but we're at a time now where male or female, you can know the game. I mean, there, there's no reason because if you're a woman that you can't understand what's happening on a basketball floor. And people that believe that are, are thinking archaically. So 
We're excited. I think she's going to add a lot to our broadcast. It honestly takes a little off my plate to, to move forward. Gary Darby was such a great part of our team for so many years, but he had to move on. And I understood that. And we, we looked around and, and decided that the best candidate and best choice was right in our own backyard. And we found a way to get her. Yeah, yeah, she uh, she covered for somebody on the radio uh, locally for a whole week. I forgot who she she stepped in for, and she earned her stripes that week. She did really, Jason really well. And John, I believe. I think it was Jason Jason Smith and John Martin, and I listened, and I was like, I actually, we've been friends for a long time. I've, I've known her fiancé since they came here, and I, I called her, and I said, I had no idea you were that good. I, I, I mean, I knew you were good. I had no idea you were that good. She's really good. Yeah, so definitely impressed and uh, proud of her. So good shout out for Jessica Benson. So before I I bring up the playoffs, I did want to say Speaking something. Speaking of when shout you... outs, shout out Miss Knight, Randy. Oh my shout god, out shout out. Oh my god. So Eric, just yeah. to, so you're not clueless, that's their kindergarten teacher. They do this every episode. It drives me nuts. So they have there fun, especially All cutting right. well, me Ms. off. Knight, shout out to Miss Knight. If we don't have hey. respect yeah. for teachers after this, we we got a problem, right? Amen, brother. Right. Yeah, so keeping them two in line, I guess she does get a shout-out. But, no, before I bring up the playoffs, I did want to say in regards, we were talking about Ja and how he spoke on the bubble, you know, and then you brought up Patrick Beverly. I'd be remiss if I didn't say that as much as I hate that guy, his video on Instagram was my favorite, just talking about, you know, it's what you make it. And he showed his room set up. So Patrick Beverly, for the first time ever, went up a notch in my book. So He's a tough that. player. I mean, he really is. Uh, I, I, I think love that guy. I think sometimes he crosses the line, and I have I have the one thing I have a problem with with him is not when he's on the court, but when he's not in the game and he's in street clothes. I think they've got to say something to him about coming and being actively in the game, either going at referees. He in a game against the Grizzlies this year came off the bench in street clothes while Kyle after a whistle had blown. Kyle Anderson took a shot after the whistle had blown, and, and Patrick came up and tried to block it from behind, and I. I I hope something was said because I thought that was unnecessary, but that's who he is. And that's how he made it into the NBA. And that's how he's stayed in the NBA. He's a fiery, tenacious guy, makes some bad decisions. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's that guy that you hate on the other team, love him on your team. And I've heard that in every city, but there's also a way to, to in my opinion, to do it without endangering other players. And I think sometimes he goes a little too far, but I can't blame him for that. I mean, who am I to, to judge a guy that was a second round pick? out of the NBA and worked his way back in and has made a, a really nice career for himself. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so let's talk about these playoffs. Let's let's start with what everybody really wants to know from you, Eric. In regards to the West, who gets in? What what team gets in? Is, is it the Grizzlies and is it the Pelicans, Blazers, Kings, Spurs? Who's joining them? Well, I, I think the injury to Aldridge for San Antonio is devastating. And now Marvin Bagley is hurt with Sacramento, and we'll see if that how much that affects them. They've played a lot without him. They were playing really well towards the end. Portland will be interesting to see what happens when Nurkic comes back. And, you know, the Pelicans, Zion left for a family emergency. That We'll see what happens there. I'm sure he'll be back. Here's my thing. you got a three-and-a-half game lead. On March 10th, the Grizzlies could have made that a four-and-a-half game lead if they not slip, slip away from Orlando. And that one still sticks in everybody's head, but you got to move past that. Those first three games are massive. If the Grizzlies win two of those first three games, in my mind, there's no way they're not at least in the play-in series as at worst the nine. If you factor in if they would just win three games down there, and they got a chance to win a couple of those ones at the end against the Eastern teams because if Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton are in that last game and Milwaukee's got everything sewn up, I'll be really, really surprised. 
if it's if it's more than 18 minutes. But maybe Mike Budenholzer thinks we got to get these guys in playoff shape and get them ready, and you only have eight games. But you also don't want to take a chance someone getting hurt. So let's just say the Grizzlies on the conservative side win three games. To pass them, that means whoever's behind them has to go seven and one. They won't catch him. The question I have about the playoffs is what happens if there's a half game difference between eight having a four game lead and nine, it's a three and a half game cushion and eight's played one fewer games. Does the, did the Grizzlies get to play one more game to try to play, to build that to four? If it's one more game than the other team and they have a four and a half game deficit, do they get to play one more game to try to get to four to get to the plan? Because there's, you haven't played the same amount of games. Teams weren't equal in number of games. That's why it's three and a half. So that's the thing that, to me, I wonder what they have in store for that. I think they're going to see how it plays out. But I honestly believe the most likely scenario is that the Grizzlies are either the eight or the nine and they're in that play-in series, hopefully as the eight, so they have to be beaten twice. But New Orleans is tough. Sacramento's tough. Portland can get hot with those two guards, and especially with Nurkic back. I don't know about San Antonio in terms of, with the Aldridge injury, what they can really bring to the table there. And Phoenix, it just seems like they're there and one or two losses and it's done. And that's the other factor. When teams are done, is Phoenix going to send Devin Booker out there in a game that means nothing? I mean, Devin Booker's a competitor. I've seen him. He loves to play basketball. And I love that about him. But he is also one of the building blocks for their future. And that's why at the end of years, you see in the final four or five games, you see teams sit guys down and say, hey, you're done. You had a hell of a year. We're going to see some of these guys play that we need to look at for next year. I don't know how that'll be this year. I don't know if the league has said to teams, hey, let's not put out rosters of, of, of guys that most of, the, most of the common fans don't know. We need to keep interest up. We need to keep people interested in this. So play your guys as best you can. But you also have a hard time telling a franchise how to run their roster and manage their business. All right, so if you had to pick two teams, let's let's say the Grizzlies are in the eight because that's that's what we believe on this this show. We've talked about it. Who who are they playing? I'm going to go with Sacramento to be honest with you. I think that team really figured it out. I think they have a tremendous point guard in De'Aaron Fox. You have a guy that can stretch the floor in Nemanja Bjelica, a really athletic big in Rashawn Holmes. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is is a guy that can go. Uh, really hot, really quickly. And then you have another shooter in Buddy Heel. They can really space the floor, and Fox is as quick end-to-end -end as it gets. The way the Grizzlies played against them compared to the way I saw them play against Portland, I give the Kings the edge there. The reason I give the Kings the edge over the Pelicans is I think they matched up well with New Orleans, and they're going to play each other, and they're going to kind of battle it out. New Orleans is definitely a threat, and, and I'm not saying Portland's not a threat. In fact, Portland's definitely a threat. But if the Grizzlies can go out and get that first one, and, and remember, back in February, they played Portland. Lillard was playing lights out. It was right before the All-Star game. And they had a great defensive scheme to corral a guy that was at the time in his previous seven games averaging about 43 points. And that was the game where Lillard played and played the whole way until the final three minutes, strained his Achilles, left the game, and didn't play in the All-Star game. I just think the Grizzlies match up well with them. And we got to remember, guys, the Grizzlies have their full roster. At the end of the, as this was getting, as this was shutting down, they were about to get Winslow back. They were about to get Jackson back. They were a few weeks away from getting Clark back. And those guys coming together, the thought was they would start the ball rolling and towards the end of March, they would catch their rhythm. 
Now they've had a couple weeks to practice together. I, I like what I see out of that roster. I think it's talented, and I think they could really uh, – they could, in my opinion, play well enough to keep that three-and-a-half game lead, push it to four, and not have to play in the play-in series. Yeah, they're one of six teams, like you said, that have their full roster. So um, that's definitely advantageous for them. In the East, while we're talking about not having full rosters, I mean, when you look at Brooklyn, when you look at Washington, and you were just talking about if you got those teams on your schedule, I mean, what a nice luxury, right? Like, I don't yeah. even know who they're going to have. Yeah, it's tough. I get it. Brooklyn, Brooklyn was – this was a throwaway year for them as it was, right? I mean, they were they, – they knew that. And they knew they were waiting for Kevin Durant to come back next year and uh, and come back healthy. Now he'll have even extra time to be ready to go when we restart the 2020-21 season. Um, and Kyrie opted not to go. And now Spencer Dinwiddie and uh, DeAndre Jordan, okay, fine. I think they saw the writing on the wall. They'd hang on to the spot. Washington wouldn't catch him anyway, especially without Bertans or Bradley Beal now. And you go into a buzzsaw in the Milwaukee Bucks anyway. So cool, uno, dos, adios, let's go. You're swept out of the first round. Um, and I think they, they, they understood that that's the writing on the wall. And, and for Orlando, that opens the door for them to be seven and avoid a first-round matchup with Milwaukee. Not like a first-round matchup with whoever's two in the East is a, is a picnic because you have some other really good teams. Toronto's playing great basketball. Miami has played really well this year as a team. Toronto's been excellent. Indiana depends on whether Victor Oladipo is there or not. Philadelphia, Boston, you take your pick, but it's not Milwaukee the way they played. So, uh, shout out to I, the city of Memphis, though, man. They got Chioza, Jeremiah yeah. Martin. Shout yeah, out, yeah, right? Yeah. And I'm happy for uh, you know for both of those guys. Chioza was thought to be undersized, and when we saw him play against the Grizzlies a couple times, he played great. His parents really lived did. four doors down from me. Yeah, he he played great. And I, I was really happy to see him get his opportunity. Same with Jeremiah. He was with Miami uh, initially. And a guy that was just kind of an add into a, a class shows what hard work can do. You don't have to be a five-star recruit to end up making the NBA if you have the determination and will to go be great at your craft. And that's all you ever heard about Jeremiah. I watched him in, in his last year in Memphis, and I thought, he's got a chance to make it. You know, he's never going to be an all-star. But you don't have to be an all-star to, to have a nice NBA career. You know, you play in this league six, seven, eight years and make some money, you're, you're going to be set up for your life. And whether that's because you have other opportunities outside of it because of it, but if you're smart with your money, if you can be a guy even as a 10th, 11th guy and stick around, it's, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, it's funny you, you say that about Jeremiah and you say you don't have to be a five-star guy because just last week our guest was Alan Irvin, and he actually played high school football with me and DB, and then he went on to, to play, you know, small college ball, but found himself on NFL roster through hard work. And so, yeah, yeah you just got to put in the time. Well, I mean, look, the, and I'm, I'm going to butcher his last name, Georgia, Georgia local for the Colts. Played, he played in Memphis and then went to um, – Went to Central Arkansas, undrafted, ends up starting all 16 games as his rookie year. I, I, I'm friends with his agent. And after his second year, he's going to walk into a contract that will give him life-changing money. And that's fantastic for him. And he's a great guy. And he's another one, you know, playing at a small college. I, I knew guys at UC Davis that were on our team that ended up, you know, being backup quarterbacks for five, six years. And they, they didn't cash in like – Patrick Mahomes did, but they made enough money to get their life going in the right direction. They got to play the game they love. 
to be fair, nobody cashed in like Patrick Mahomes did. No. <laughs> you know what? That's it's it's earned though. Let's oh, be honest, amen. it's earned. He, he's a, he's a different cat. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the dude is is something. All right, so Eric, I'm gonna put you on spot. Okay. Uh, give me give me the two teams that make it to the Western Conference Finals and the two teams that make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, obviously, I'd love it to be the Grizzlies, but that's going to be a really tough road. If they hang on, they're going to get the Lakers in the first round. I, I think the Clippers are definitely in the Eastern Conference or Western Conference Finals. I, I don't see anybody in there unless they end up in the four seed and have to face the Lakers in the semis. But even then, when you can put Beverly, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard on the perimeter, it makes it really difficult. And, and Montrez Harrell brings a certain amount of energy Lou Williams off the bench. Their bench has two guys scoring 18 points a game. I love Avica Zubats. It's just a big that fits and kind of brings it all together for that squad. So they're tough. I, I'd put them in there. I'm, I'm curious about Denver, what last year's playoff experience did for them. I think they may still be a year away from that, from that spot. They may just be really good and not quite good enough. I don't think Houston has it. Um, I think they're rolling the dice on this small ball thing. And if it doesn't work or fails in the first round, that this could be a, a complete blow up situation as fast as they can. So Can't unfortunately, wait. I think I, I got to go with the, with the Lakers to get in there. Oklahoma City's a team though. And I'm not just saying this because Jim's there. I was on with their radio guy the other day. They have defied a lot of people's beliefs and what they would be. And it's because Chris Paul has just said, screw it. I'm going to play basketball. Hey I'm Eric, go we gotta we gotta clarify something. We gotta clarify something before you go on. Jim's not a Thunder fan. Jim is a Russell Westbrook fan. So a minute ago, you ripped his heart out when you said well, yeah, Houston didn't have it. Well, I, you look, I brought him back a blanket once upon a time from a from a giveaway at Oklahoma look, City, but, and he doesn't even yeah. have it behind him. What got, come man, on, man? Man, look, let me nice. let me tell you something, Eric. Uh, my son sleeps with that blanket every night, so they they can. Well, I'm glad he likes. You know, stick I, it. I, I and, sure I sure as heck couldn't have it at my house. So uh, yeah. And then they ju they just visited Tampa. I didn't see that blanket one time, <laughs> not one time. It, it is it is on his bed. But let me let me tell y'all something. All right, it didn't break my heart because I don't think the Rockets can get by the Clippers anyway. But I will say, you know, local radio Jason and John had Brian Scalabrini on, and he said that they can beat the Lakers and go to the Western Conference Finals. So y'all could take that. All right, the Rockets. Yeah. Did you I see what that. Westbrook did to the Lakers? Yeah, no, he's – hey, look, when you have a guy that can be that athletic and that much of a matchup problem, it's it's tough. And, and James Harden, you know, can obviously create things. But it's going to be interesting to me to see how they defend anybody at that situation. And They don't. That's the problem. And if you can't stop points going on the board at some point, you, you, you could really run into it. Because if your three's not falling, you know, in a seven-game series, you give one game away, you, you've given away an advantage. So – I, I just don't know that they can get by him. I think Oklahoma City can put a scare into people. I love the way Doncic plays in Dallas, but I think they just need another piece with him and Porzingis. And it's going to be competitive. N none of these series – you remember back in a time, uh, there was a, a year where every playoff series in the first round went seven games except one, and that was Houston and Portland. And that was because Chandler Parsons, who was then with the Rockets, got caught in the screen and Damian Lillard hit about a 40 footer. We were in Oklahoma city. That was the seven game series. We were watching that game. Every single series, even one eight went seven. I wouldn't be surprised if these series go at everything goes at least five or six, even eight one. I the Grizzlies have matched up well with the Lakers. If they hang on the Lakers, they blew their doors off on the second night of a back to back. And I don't, you know, that was just one of those nights, but, 
they had them down twice where they should have won the game, but inexperience and a guy named LeBron James factored in big for the Grizzlies not He's hanging okay. onto the lead. But that's how you learn. So I, I think it's going to be really fun to watch the West. I think the East is a little less, you know, I, I really believe if Oladipo's out and Boston can't find the rhythm, I, I just don't see how it's not either Toronto or Boston and, and Milwaukee. Um, I'd give the edge to Toronto, but Boston really has some, some talented players. Tatum is so good, and then they're young with Jalen Brown and all the guys they have there. I would probably give the edge a little bit to Boston on sheer talent. But when you got a guy like Pascal Siakam and a guy like Kyle Lowry, who both play the same way with this chip on their shoulder, of we've never been talked about, even though Lowry's now been a multiple-time All-Star. But you grow up not being talked about. You don't just lose that edge because all of a sudden now people respect your game. Siakam's the same way. I mean, for that team to be where they are after losing Kawhi Leonard, it's hard for me not to think that Nick Nurse should be coach of the year. I love what Taylor Jenkins has done. I think it's un, it's unfortunate if you give it to a Mike Budenholzer because he's got the, the MVP on his roster. I, I even think the same thing in, in with the Clippers there. I, I think you look at Billy Donovan in Oklahoma City. I think you look at Taylor Jenkins in Memphis. And I think you obviously, and I think you look at, um, I, I think you look at the job that Eric Spolster has done in Miami and those guys all, have to be part of that group but um certainly it's it's going to be interesting to watch you know these these teams now come together and play in these big moments for sure but Nick yeah. Nurse has done a hell of a job yeah Chris Harrington and Jeff Calkins talked about that extensively today and said that they think Nick Nurse has this thing locked up but I, think, I mean I think it's only fair I know they're the defending world champions but they're the defending world champions who lost the two guys that in my and I it's crazy because I didn't think they got enough run the previous year. Going into the 2018-2019 the season, I said, hey, they were talking about who in the East, Boston, Philly, all these other teams. No one was saying Toronto. I said, you do realize they just traded one guy in their starting lineup and a backup who you can replace in Jakob Pertl for one of the best 3 and D guys in Danny Green who's going to start and defend the perimeter and another phenomenal defender and scorer in Kawhi Leonard to go along with Kyle Lowry, Mark Gasol, and, uh, and Serge Ibaka. I mean, these and I didn't even know Siakam was going to be that good. And that young guy, Siakam, that's an incredible six-man rotation. Plus, Fred Van Vliet's ready to take another step. I said, my prediction was that, that they would be in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I thought that they would do what they did, which was move on, possibly, to the Finals. And then I was lucky enough to be at Game 6. I was very happy for Mark, and their head athletic trainer, Scott McCullough, was with us. And... It was fun to watch that because they played as a team and then and then two guys bounce again. So you lose two of the guys that, that helped you win a championship, yet you're still right there competing. Yeah, exactly. All right, so take me one step further. Who we got meeting in the finals? I'm going to say – God, this makes me ill to say it. And I, almost, I might have to throw up in my mouth a little bit as a Grizzlies guy. <laughs> Clippers and Bucks. Uh, DB, Clippers wasn't that Bucks. your picks? That was them. All right, Clippers so and Bucks. Just, just because of the Clippers' ability to defend. It, yeah, it really, and I think um, that's, that's going to go a long way. I, I'm not going to write the Lakers off. You never do when you got LeBron, Anthony Davis, Danny Green. But uh, not having Avery Bradley's, it, it, it matters to them. I mean, even, even though it's not huge, it, it matters a little bit. Not having Rajon Rondo matters a little bit to them. Yeah, you and DB are synced in. Randy had the Lakers and the Celtics, I believe. 
Well, the NBA would love that. Believe Amen. me. Amen. And so, uh, but I'll tell you what, I'm a little depressed that you didn't have the Grizz in there because me and Daniel got a ticket from the gold strike worth 25 grand because they had such great odds. I, I'm, I, like I said, don't sleep on them for possibly shocking some people. And they, they are taking the mentality of they want to win it all. And so, yeah, I, I, I've heard of several people have that and they have some crazy odds. I mean, 50,000 to one, that's insane. Yeah. I think they're better than that. I think they have to do that, but you know, Here's the, here's the scary thought. We watched what John Morant did throughout 67 games, right, or 65 games. He says he's finally 100% healthy, that after the scope, he wasn't totally healthy. He was, there were times he had to, you know, tone back the throttle a little bit, and now he can just go. And I'm like, okay, that's a little frightening. That's a little bit frightening to me because he can really, really take over some games, and he's got more experience now. I think he's learning – the flow of the game. I, I do believe, guys, and I'm not saying this because I work for him. You have that core group in place with the trade for Winslow, with John Moran, with Dylan Brooks signed now long term, Jonas Valanciunas multi years, Jaron Jackson Jr. multi years, Grayson Allen for a couple more years. The question becomes about DeAnthony Melton in the offseason. But you look at Brandon Clark's in there as well. They have a group of eight or nine guys that are going to be with them for three to five years. At the end of that, that stretch, if they can all stay for five, they're going to be one of the best teams in the, in the NBA, without a doubt. As long yeah. as everybody stays, you know, as we knock on wood, healthy, and, and they're going to be right there. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so last question for you uh, as far as, you know, the playoffs. And we kind of went through what teams could make a surprise run, so I'm not going to ask that. But what player do you think, like, you know, other than the usual suspects, what player could really shock us, maybe put a team on his back? Brandon Clark. Shout out, My man! Shout out, BC. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think what Brandon's been able to do and being healthy, God, he's so smart. I, I I mean, look, I think guys like Brandon Justice may get a chance to really shine. These guys that De'Anthony Melton's going to get a chance to really turn some heads. Guys that are playing for this team are gonna are gonna people that don't know about them. Look at the way Valanciunas was rebounding at the end of that that stretch. I mean, there was a stretch where in five games, he dug on near average 20 rebounds a game. He was getting everything, and it was leading to opportunities. So this is going to be a fun group to watch. Tyus Jones played great after a real slow start. So it's going to be fun to watch this group. Yeah, but you know, Brandon Clark going to break out the, the, the X factor. He's going to dunk on somebody in one of these games, and it's going to turn a lot of heads. I, I have no doubt in my mind, especially – if Jaws 100%, their ability to throw the alley-oop to one another. Brandon's thrown some to Jaw. There's going to be some sports center highlights coming, no doubt. How about Brandon Clark's hair down? I mean, he went from, like, the sideshow Bob thing to now, I mean, it's, like, trim and tight. I didn't even almost recognize him when I saw a picture of him the other day. I didn't either. I, I didn't either. And it, it was funny because they were doing a uh, – I didn't recognize him at Gonzaga either because they were doing a thing about Zion coming back. And they showed one of the clips from when Gonzaga beat him in Maui and Zion got a breakaway. And the guy he dunked on was Brandon Clark. Oh, man. I was like, is that Brandon? And then I saw how high he got up. I'm like, yep, that's Brandon. So, I mean, it's going to be fun to watch the young guys go toe-to-toe. <clears throat> I mean, like I said, they won't play Sacramento. But watching Zion play against this team, watching Doncic and Dallas play against them, and then, uh, you know, and then playing the veteran guys too, it's going to be fun. We're, uh, I, I think we're just excited to have basketball back, to say the least but it's going to be good basketball too. And that's why I thought the eight game plan was the right way to do it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you, you know, you kind of talked a few earlier about, you know, playing with a chip on your shoulder. It always seems, you know, from the from the birth of the core four, even to now, the Grizzlies are always like, yeah, those guys are interesting. Those guys can be yeah. good. But it's always some other team, Zion and the Kings. So talk about what do they do? How does that motivate those guys? It or does. do they even talk about it? No, it does a little bit. They, they always feel like they're overlooked. I mean, that's why Dylan said what he said about Andre Iguodala. And it wasn't meant as a, a a shot at a veteran who's won an NBA Finals MVP and a gold medal. It was saying, hey, we feel like we're a good team. And if he doesn't want to be a part of it, that's fine. He'll see how good we are when we ramp things back up. And I understood that. The difference with this group, and I don't get me wrong, I love the core four. Seven years of, of making the playoffs, great group of guys, just a tough Western Conference. They, 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 some people say, oh, it was just a, it was just an average run. No. Seven years in the playoffs is never an average run. No. And that's, that's, that's impressive. Um, but they played a style that's not aesthetically pleasing to people outside the fandom of the team. You're not going to get on national TV when you're trying to, you know, be physical and beat up on guys the way that the league's going. This group, exactly the opposite. We've never had a team like this in Memphis. They share the basketball. They're in the tops in the leagues in assists. They play with a fast pace of play. Their defense got better throughout the year. They chuck threes up. They play that new style of NBA basketball. You watch. When they go down there and, I think, turn some heads, when next year's schedule comes out, you're going to see a lot more national TV looks. Uh, we've already talked about it. We're all with the broadcast team and guys that travel the team. Like, don't get used to being at home for Christmas because this team's probably going to start playing Christmas Day games with the matchups of Ja versus Zion or Ja versus whoever and sending them to play – a team they matched up in a great series the year before, whoever that may be, for one of the Christmas Day games. And, and because Jaw's going to be a galvanizing star for this league, there are going to be millions of kids with Jaw Moran jerseys very, very soon. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's really – that's two small markets. You talk about it. New Orleans obviously has had success with AD and, and being there in the past. But I think – I've talked about on this show a lot. I think that the Pelicans-Grizzlies matchup is a rivalry for years to come just because of that Jaw-Zion connection. And, but people talk about Zion. And to me, that Pelicans team is stacked. Like, they're, he's yeah. not – he's great and he's going to be great. But they got guys right now that can contribute to a playoff run. No, they're good. They, they had a really good roster, and, I, you know, with J.J. Redick and Drew Holiday in there, they, they, they're a good team. They, they were a good team. They struggled without him, and I understood that because that was kind of how they were built. But, yeah. um, you know, again, that's going to also be the question down in, in the bubble. What happens if they were to lose two out of their first three, and now all of a sudden they're six games out or five and a half games out, and they got to catch both Sacramento and or Portland just to get to nine, and they just don't see that they can do it. If Zion's been banged up, do you, do you run that risk? Do you lay it all out there in a five-game sprint and try to win all five and get yourself back in it? Or do you just say, hey, it's, it's done. Let's wrap it up and let's move on to the next one, and we'll see. I mean, I thought truly the Grizzlies had an opportunity to force them into that situation the second time they met up with them, but the Pelicans dug in and got that win and played a little bit different than the first time where they hit like 15 threes in the first half second time all they did was attack the rim so they had two really good game plans and, and they don't look like they want to just let go of the rope they want to try to fight it out especially jj reddick considering he's never missed the playoffs in his career yeah and he said don't don't f this up for me yeah don't, yeah. don't mess this up for me zion okay yeah, yeah absolutely so uh, i was there for the mlk game when they they hit like i felt like 100 threes in the second half yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it started in the first half with them attacking the rim and yeah. it was the exact opposite of what they did in New Orleans, where the first half 
they hit 15 threes and then like just attacked the rim in the second and just played from a, a place of comfort. So the Grizzlies are going to have to match that energy when they play them. It'll be interesting to see what happens when they play Utah too, because without Bogdanovich and with really not a lot to play for for the Jazz, I really haven't mentioned them yet. They still have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley's a, a gamer. They've got some nice pieces to that team too. We'll see what they can do down there as well. Oh, absolutely. So, real quick, what do you think the worst Grizzlies record can be? Four and four, three and five, to hang on to that eight nine. I think if it's below three and five, you're 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 flirting with trouble. I still think that puts somebody having to go six and two, two teams having to go six and two to to, to pass you. So, I think once you get the third win, you're you're locked in. The, the two, you might be okay, uh, but I, I I think that's flirting with disaster because you got they they have to make up four games. So six and two is tough because a lot of these teams play each other. So we'll see. Absolutely. And that's the thing. Like Sacramento has the Lakers in their last game and somebody else in their second to last game that you feel like will have their spot wrapped up by then. And so maybe they get a couple of gimmies. That's what the Grizzlies are hoping that Boston and, and Milwaukee at the end have it all locked up. And so they're not going to play Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown a ton of minutes or Giannis and Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe a ton of minutes. They're going to let these guys kind of just – Get about a 12-minute run, get a sweat up, and then go sit by the pool and wait for the playoffs to start. Yeah, so outside of uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant, and you mentioned a lot of names earlier, who is the one player that is absolutely critical for them to make to shock some people? Dylan Brooks. There, there's no doubt. When Dylan scores and when he's scoring efficiently, the, the team's just different. He's got to stay within his game. He, I thought he pressed a little bit. When he signed the contract, that's because he wanted to prove to people he, he earned that money, which I thought he did. Uh, we were all very happy for him. We were there the day he signed that deal and, and talked to him. And I, I think he even kind of alluded at that point, now I got to prove that I earn it. Well, then he was kind of pressing. Just relax and let the game come. And I think he's, he, he'll be fine with that. He and, he and the coaching staff have a great relationship, and he's really done a, a great job to, to become what he's – become in the NBA, which is a viable option on a good team and a starter. And I think he keeps the starting spot. I think Justice moves into the three. I think you start, in my opinion, I would start Morant, Brooks, Winslow, uh, Jackson, and Valanciunas. And then I'd bring Clark and Jones and Melton off the bench. And then you, you bring in Gorgie Jang in there as well. And uh, Anthony Tolliver, and you got a nice rotation of guys. You whoa, really whoa. Do. No slow-mo? He's going to play, but, yeah, I mean, like, he's, he's going to be in there. That's, it, it's a different thing for, for Kyle because the game's moving a, a, a different way than he plays. But, yeah, his ability to defend the passing lanes, too. Kyle's in that mix. That's the thing. They've got 13 guys that can play now. Like, what do you do? Taylor Jenkins has a problem now that everybody's healthy that he, he doesn't have all the minutes he had before. Right, Where a great go? problem to have, right? Yeah, better than not having it, right? We've been in that situation. Amen. So – uh, I was going to go through down a few things and get a grade, but I guess I just want to ask you this. You know, we talk about uh, will it be this huge disappointment if they don't get in, and obviously being, these guys are competitors. They're going to think it is. But really, they're playing with house money, in my opinion, Eric. Yeah. I think that they were never expected to be – they were expected to be another lottery team, perhaps, and keep building. And for them to be in this position is – you know, shout out to the front office. We spent years and years and years uh, as, as Grizzlies fans kind of uh, being super critical. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of Wallace, and I'm a huge fan of those guys as people – but uh, we second-guessed every draft pick, every free agent signing. Yeah. Hell, people hated the Zebo. Me, I, hey, I'm one of them. When they got Zebo, I'm like, oh, shit, what are we doing? And it turned out uh, to be great. 
But see, now, I feel like Zach, just because I felt like you were giving a guy that had talent a second chance to re- remake his career, which is it, it. Sometimes that works, and sometimes it yeah. doesn't. Well, you remember how it was though when they traded Powell. It was like these guys are giving the Lakers, and they, it's a conspiracy because you know Memphis has this huge problem. I'm a lifelong Memphian, and I love this city more than life itself. But we had this inferiority complex. Of yeah, everybody's out to get us. Right? Everybody's out to screw Memphis. I know I've heard it, and it's funny. I get it though, because it's same. It's no different in Sacramento. It's yeah. the same thing when I was there. Um, look, I, I think if they don't make it, it is a bit disappointing, because they played themselves in the position to make it. Um, it would have been different if we finished out the eighty-two and they didn't make it because of the way their schedule was at the end. But it would have been a, a hell of a race to get to that point. And they had played well. Look, they their schedule was the toughest in the league from the All Star break. And remember, they only gave up a half game from where they ended at the all-star break to where we ended the season a month later. So by that number, the way they were playing and getting guys healthy, you like their opportunity. It's certainly valuable experience, but as a competitor, you always believe if we don't make it, something went wrong. Would that be the worst thing in the world? No, because it leaves you a a burning desire to get better, but you're probably going to lose the draft pick because unless you get really, really lucky, Boston's getting it. There was a lot of talk before the season. Hey, if they're not in it at the all-star break, what do you do? Do you just shut guys down and try to get that pick and then just roll the dice with these guys having played for a year? That wasn't going to be the case. And I love that. And, and that's why they didn't have a problem with the way we restarted from everybody I talked to because they're competitors. So people were like, I know everybody in Memphis is like, hey, stop the season now. It is what it is. Let them go in as the eighth seed. Well, that's not going to produce great basketball because you don't have any games to, to ramp up and get your legs underneath you. Two, it's a big boy league. You got to earn it. And they, they had 17 games left. Of those games, only one would have been against a team that's not in Orlando right now, and that was the game against the Knicks at home. Yeah, I so have no issue. You have to earn your way in. Yeah, so no issue. I, I like that they have to earn it. I, we're going to see what they're made of, and we're going to see them make some young mistakes, but we're also going to see them get some people's attention real quick, I believe. I think oh. they're good enough to make it. I do. I think they're good enough to hang on. I think they're good enough to be the eighth seed. And I think they'll get better moving forward. And, and we're going to be talking about this team as a, as a perennial playoff team in, in years to come. So you're going to be the spoiled guy. Not only you had the seven years in the playoffs, now you're going to make another run. And you're, going to, you're going to be that guy, huh? Resting I, look, on the I, success. I, I consider it very, very fortunate. There's been guys in this league that have done nothing but games for teams that never make the playoffs or make it once every now and then. I used to feel that way about my buddy Tim Roy in Golden State. He went one out of 18 years making a postseason. <laughs> He made and up for it. Now he's been fitted for, for a few rings, and, and <laughs> he's had a heck of a run. And, and we talked about it all the time. Sometimes you have to go through that. Um, there's other guys that have been completely spoiled. Bill Schoening in San Antonio doesn't know what it's like to have a losing season. He's going to find out to this year. Yeah. He's finding out this year. It's a little different, we, and we joked about it a little bit. But he was there from the time I got here in 2001. He took over for the Spurs, and they never won less than 50 games. So that's just old hat to him. You go to a guy like Steve Holman, who had a nice little run when Mike Budenholz was with the Hawks, but for the most part, the Hawks have struggled the last 15 years. And those guys want to win too, and and teams that haven't been there. Sacramento, my guys that were there, and unfortunately one of them uh, was relieved of his duties in the the pandemic uh, shutdown. But they haven't been to the playoffs in 12 years after making it every year for about a six, seven-year run, and then that – great team that they had with Chris Weber and Vladi Divac was broken up and they've never been back so shout out Jay Will it's yeah that's my guy 
He was my guy. That's that's the fragility of uh, of, of this league. It, that's why when they say, oh, don't go for the eight seed, just you know, go into the lottery, you're, you're never guaranteed you're going to get back there. So when you can make it, you make it. Wow. A lot of great insight. You know, we've, we've talked basketball a few times on, on the show and like, this is as deep as we've gotten, especially with the Grizzlies. So I, it, it's good to hear and, and I'm excited in a couple of weeks we're going to be, you know, sitting here being able to analyze some games and some players. So, yeah. um, you know, let's, let's shift gears for a minute. We're going okay. to play a little game with you that we play with all of our guests. It's, okay. It's just a way that we get to have a little lighthearted fun with you. Uh, it's, called, it's called This or That. And okay. all you got to do is you get two options. You pick one or the other. Oh, I know. Yep, let's so, do it. All right, so East Coast or West Coast? West Coast. Watching sports live in person or on TV? Prefer to be there. In person. McGuire or Bonds? Oh, McGuire. Come on. Harry my, Kitt. I was an A's season ticket holder. I, I heard you were an A's fan, so I had to, yeah. had to throw that in there for and you. And I, I actually met both of them, and the least amount of an asshole of the two of them was, was Mark. Both of <laughs> them were assholes. Not surprising. Mark, Mark was the lesser <laughs> asshole. How about that? So, Harry Carey or Bob Euchre? I go Bob Euchre. Bob Euchre is as skilled a broadcaster. He's a much more skilled broadcaster than people realize because he's funny. But Bob Euchre is really good. Harry Carey was really good, but I like Bob's mix of both. I think Bob's phenomenal. Nice. Ek, the Eck or Rivera? Oh, you got to go Mariano. Eckersley was unhittable for about a two-year window. Mariano was unhittable for a 20-year career. Forever. And with, with a sub-90 fastball, it's unbelievable. USC or UCLA? I don't like either one of them. Um, I, if I had to pick between the two, probably USC. But that's uh, that's Southern California. UCLA, I, I think my least favorite team at one point was that UCLA national championship team because I had a buddy of mine at Arkansas, so I was rooting for the, the, the Hogs back then. But no, um, no, I don't. As a Northern California guy, we don't we don't like those two teams. Gotcha. Fair I, enough. I, and I Shout out Russell Westbrook. Shout out Russell Westbrook, and I apologize for the insensitivity about it. <laughs> right off the bat. We'll edit it out. Thank you, please. So would you rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future? Ooh, see, now that's – I would say go back in the past because you can go back and give yourself winning lottery numbers and, and really sound smart. If you go into the future, like what happens if we go – to? Think about where we were 10 years ago. Did we have smartphones like we do now? We have the, these crazy, you know, social media sites. I would be lost 10 years in the future. So go back. Let, let me go back to the past. As I like to say, the older I get, the better I was. I want to relive those days. Hey, simplifying your life is not always a bad thing, man. No, I'll, I'll buy some stock and things that I know is going to go way right. up. Right. Offense or defense? Oh, offense. Yeah. Intelligence or humor? Wow. Um, boy, that's tough. I think intelligence, because I think if you're intelligent, you find a way to be funny. I think there are people that are funny that, that eventually their humor wears off because they run out of things to say. But uh, I'm blessed because the, the, the love of my life is, is both intelligent and, and very funny and very good looking. 
Hey, you always you always gotta plug plug Shut your up. better half. So so Dude, well right. played. Well yeah, played. Yeah, she's she's amazing. She's she's been an absolute uh, she's been an absolute rock during this whole process. Anything you want to plug or promote? I think you just uh, did. I mean, I, 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 if you need a move, this little company right here is a, is, is a good one to choose. Um, no, I, I look, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I know you guys are huge fans. I've talked to all of you throughout the years. Um, it, it's a real pleasure for me to get to do this with you guys. And, and I think uh, the people that watch your stuff will realize you guys are passionate about what you do. And it's not passion without intelligence, too. So I think that's great. So I, I keep keep up the great work. And We'll be on the air starting July 31st. I hope everybody, you know, if they're at work, will have a way to tune in on the radio. We'll certainly have the TV broadcast as well. And, and Pete and I and Brevin and Elliot and uh, Michael and Rob, we'll, we'll all do our best to bring it uh, and make it as entertaining as possible. Gotcha. So every episode we end with the around the horn. It's basically just a chance for you to talk about one headline, one thing you're passionate about, one thing that you feel the audience needs to know before we go. So Eric, oh what, what is the one thing that you feel the audience needs to know before you go? Hmm. Boy, that's tough. Um, you know, I do think it's, it, it, there's ways, I'll, I'll give you mine because my son's been fortunate to be in a little league where they went back to playing. And I think getting kids sports back is important, but I think we also have to be very smart when it comes to like high school athletics in a, in a higher level if there's a way to keep kids involved and keep people active, I think we need to explore that, but we all need to make sure we're, we're also being smart about our actions and not reckless and, and blowing things off. You know, whether you believe this is all one or the other, and believe me, I hear it from both sides of people that are, I hear from people that are terrified that this is going to last for 50 years. I hear from people that believe it shouldn't have lasted 50 minutes that this was, you know, what they say is, oh, it's this reason or that reason. I want to get into that. But, <laughs> but what I will say is, look, man, remember that when you're out there and you're frustrated or somebody's out there, or somebody doesn't, we don't know what people are going through right now. So I guess my biggest thing is make sure your kids stay active. You do as well. And check on your friends. Check on your friends and, and just send them a text and just say, how are you holding them? If you know somebody's been out of work or you know someone's been doing this, because what we haven't really discussed with all this is the damage it's going to do to people's mental health moving forward. And believe me, I, I understand it. I, some of us can handle it better than others in terms of being able to let roll things, things roll off our back, and that was before this. So if you know someone that, that, that does that, I would say those – things that people talk about, about checking in on family and friends, even if it's just to say, hey, I was thinking about you today. Those go a lot further than you think. And, and I think we can all be better about that moving forward, even out of this. And just, if you have a friend from high school that you have their number and you hadn't talked to him, just go, hey man, I was just thinking about you today. Hope you're doing great. If he doesn't reply or she doesn't reply, so what? They read it and I guarantee they felt good about it. So if we can start doing a better job of picking each other up, holding each other accountable when we make mistakes, but learning from those mistakes, I think we're going to be in a much better place. Absolutely. Well said. And as we travel around the horn, Jim, what's the one thing the audience needs to know before we go? Well, I wanted to talk on that same thing, but I'm going to, I'm going to move on. I'm going to let Randy do that. I wanted to talk about Chris Reese 
from the New Orleans Saints Super Bowl squad. Randy probably knows him real well as a Colts fan. In Super Bowl 44, he is famously known as the guy who recovered the onside kick, known as Ambush. Anyway, he wasn't, he wasn't a recovery, but we won't go there. <laughs> hey, man, don't steal my around the horn segment. Anyway, but no, I wanted to talk about what he's doing with his public uh, platform. So Eric was talking about mental health. He's actually bringing mental health awareness, which is a great thing. But more so, he's using his public platform to do youth ministry within the greater New Orleans area. So instead of, uh, you know, just being known as the guy who had that recovery, Randy, He's actually going out in the streets. He's actually using his platforms for the betterment of uh, children around the area, so I love it. Randy, what's the one thing the audience needs to know before we go? Uh, I'm really going to tack on to what Eric said as a perfect segue is, is to talk about mental health. And um, I'm not going to name any names, but Eric mentioned high school. Me and DB and Jim all went to high school together. Shout out Bolton High School. Uh, this this past weekend, one of our classmates that we had gone to middle school, grown up with, uh, uh, passed away, committed suicide. So uh, we want to definitely bring a lot of attention to that. And I know whenever this comes up, there's been multiple people in all of our lives that this has happened to. Uh, so I started doing a lot of research this past weekend. And it really touched on me. Uh, I've had family members that have succumbed to this. Uh, Jim has too. Uh, you know, just, it's almost like cancer. You don't know anybody that it hasn't affected in some way. Uh, so just going through, it's the 10th leading cause of death in the world overall, second leading cause of death for ages 15 to 24. Uh, you know, the males are four times higher than females in suicide. Something I didn't know until I started doing this reading. The male deaths are 79% of all U.S. suicides. I'm not at all saying that females don't get depressed and don't do this. Just these, these are things that stood out to me. Um, 132 suicides every single day. I mean, that is a lot of people. I mean, we're 35% rise since 2000. And one thing that I noticed in my research and talking to my friends, talking to counselors, is that this is a pandemic of epic proportions. And we're talking kids because this bullying and this online stuff. So, you know, Eric touched on it, reaching out. I have four kids that range from 14 years old down to two years old. It scares the shit out of me to think that they could be bullied to the point where they would you know, kill themselves. And it doesn't matter. Your socioeconomic standing doesn't matter. You go through the line, Kate Spade, Bourdain, Chester Bennington, Robin Williams, Chris Cornell, Junior Seau. And that's just a handful of names of people that you think have it all together. And they didn't, you know, we could talk about Junior Seau and the guys that had the the CTE stuff. But to me, the larger point is these people, no matter how much money's in your bank account or how well you think they have it together, they don't. So reach out, ask for help. I'm going to give a shout out right here. Uh, 1-800-273-8255 is the National Suicide Line. And one more quick thing is uh, the funding. We talk about $100 million a year on suicide research. Compare that to breast cancer, and we all know you wear pink. NFL has all that. $690 million a year on breast cancer. And by no means am I saying we should stop raising money for breast cancer. That's just a disparity that I think I'd like to see that gap closed. I want to see both of them get up. And one more source of the VA veterans like Jim here are one and a half times more likely than a non-vet. They're 13% of all deaths uh, compared to being only seven and a half percent of the U S population. So just, you know, shout out if you have any issues, like I know for me personally and Jim and DB here, if you need something, reach out to us, dial the line 1-800-273-8255 reach out. Yeah. The the stat that was, you know, really stood out to me that really showed the severity was it wasn't the one in every 40 seconds someone takes their own life but in that same time span 20 people consider it that just tells you it's everywhere well i mean adam silver guys said that 
today's NBA players are more depressed than ever before. And part of the reason why is, is the social media stuff. They don't remember the 500 people that say how awesome they are. They remember the one guy that looks at them and goes, hey, you suck. And you may think you're just being funny. You may think you're just being cute or you may be, think you're being a tough guy or a tough girl and going at somebody like that. Th those words can really do damage. And some people may say, oh, well, why don't they just get a thicker skin? Why should they have to? Why would you talk to someone like that because you have a keyboard when you wouldn't say that to their face? There's no way. So, I mean, if you're not going to say it to somebody up close, don't say it on social media. Absolutely. Um, for me, the one thing I feel like everyone needs to know before I go is, Jim, this is a shout out to you, man. You, um, you put a video out there um, on just the topics we've been discussing about depression, suicide awareness, and, and just giving some stats. And it takes one, it takes, takes a big heart to put that kind of information out there. Um, so I appreciate you, you putting some knowledge out there and, and really taking initiative and being really ballsy with like taking the comments that come or go with, with it. So, um, I appreciate that. Just want to let you know that, um, if you haven't had a chance and you follow Jim on Facebook, it's out there, give it a, give it a listen. Uh, it'll, it'll change your perspective for sure. Um, you know, as, as we get out of here, Eric, I want to, I want to, I want to thank you. We had a good time tonight. We look forward to this episode and we're looking forward to getting basketball tipped off and hopefully in a few months from now, you'll be sized up for a championship <laughs> ring and we'll have you on to talk about it and look at it. And, and Hey, if we do, we'll, we'll, if we do, we'll all get together somewhere and have a little ring viewing uh, celebration somewhere. Maybe Absolutely. like some TJs or something. I, I'm in. Yeah, I, I guess we'll buy. I guess we'll buy Randy's Daniel since he didn't get in on that ticket at Gold Strike. Yeah, whatever, right. whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we'll we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll do something. That that would be great. I appreciate you guys having me very much. It was a lot of fun. I look forward to doing it again with you guys. Thanks, Eric. Absolutely. So if you guys like Average Joe's talking X's and O's, please make sure you like and share In Off the Bench podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor. Comments, ratings, feedback is always accepted. We'll see you for our next episode. It'll be episode 15 where we bring on Cameron James, the starting third baseman for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. We're going to talk all SEC. We're going to talk about MLB draft and we're going to talk most importantly about the upcoming season is it happening is it not happening and how he's preparing this has been in off the bench podcast as always strong bodies sharp minds grit and grind all the time we are out